And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hi, Brian. Hey, how's it going? Fine. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Just just enjoying my, my first cup of coffee this morning. Where are you? I'm at home in Seattle, Washington. I, for some reason, didn't think you were here anymore. Uh, I spent some time in New York. I was there for five years or so, not too long ago. Moved back shortly before COVID hit. Oh, you did? Yeah. Bought a house and then have done... A lot of living in that house now over the last couple of years. So I feel like I've gotten like 10 touring years out of this house, you know. Right. Um, now that we're a little bit opened up, have you been out celebrating life at all? A little bit. I still fluctuate between being cautious because I don't want to get COVID or give other people COVID mixed with, you know, 
moments where it's like, well, if I'm going to get it now, it's certainly a good time to do it. So I'm going right. to go out to eat <laughs> and not, not worry about it. So I still haven't gotten it. I've eluded it somehow. It just makes me a little nervous just because I'm about to go out on tour for seven weeks. And so right. it'd be nice to have a little natural immunity in there, but I'm with you. So what did, what did you get into non-musically in the last couple of years since we had an involuntary break? Or musically? Well, musically, you know, Russian Circles wrote a record entirely remotely. Oh, you did? Yeah, we weren't in the same room with each other until like a week before we went into the studio. And then we just crammed. But, I mean, we had the album pretty much entirely written just over logic and swapping files and mm -hmm. things like that, which was actually new for us which is kind of weird considering we've always lived in different states but it took covid for us to finally have a good practical uh strategy for remote yeah. writing so that was good i recorded a solo record that i'd been intending to do for 10 plus years so that was nice oh yeah what's that called uh that's called torment and glory i listened to quite a bit of it yesterday actually i loved it thanks Coincidentally, I've been listening to something called Six Organs of Admittance. Have you listened to that band? Oh, yeah. And I haven't listened to them for a really long time, and there's tons of acoustic guitar, pretty folky acoustic guitar, and a ton of noise. Not That's not exactly what your record is, but it's it's a little bit up that alley. And I was like, and within two weeks, I listened to your record and that Six Organs record after not listening to that for years. I definitely feel like that guy's like a whole other skill level <laughs> from, <laughs> from, from where I'm at. You know, I'm definitely come from the, the punk world of like, uh, I can sort of play three chords, so let's do it. <laughs> Whereas that guy's like, you know, like a Fahey Basho <laughs> type true type dude. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I love what he does. I think it's super awesome. And I, I think on right. some level there's probably a parallel with at least what I was trying to do. Yeah, I did that. And then otherwise it was like a lot of hanging out and reading and hanging out in the yard. And we got a puppy. I did All the COVID right. dog. What brand of dog did you get? We got an Australian Labradoodle. Yes. He's awesome. I'm a doodle fan. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's a throw a stone in Seattle and there's a doodle. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, we were trying to do like the noble, you know, like getting a shelter dog or a rescue and but man during covid it was like unless you wanted a pit bull <laughs> <laughs> yeah your, your options were a little limited and it's like I don't, I don't think i'm ready to be a dog dad to a rescue pit bull yet so i'm gonna go the opposite route and just get the most well-behaved and cuddly yeah. dog possible so. yeah that's a lot of parenting adopting a pit bull yeah and i'm it's i'm like getting a teenager yeah <laughs> <laughs> Do you, have a, do you have a doodle? I do. I have a golden doodle. Oh. He's black, but he's a golden doodle, yes. Super cute. He's cute and huge. How old is he? He's three. And his name, his full name, which my seven-year-old son named, is Sonny and the Sunset Smith. Wow, that's After cool. Sonny Smith of Sonny and the Sunsets. Because I went on tour with him a month before we got Sonny the dog and we just asked our son what he wanted to name him, and he, and he insisted on the full name. That's classy. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a uh, something we'd been talking about for a while. Never really made sense, especially with me being gone all the time. And then 
yeah, suddenly there was an opportunity and yeah, it's kind of like our therapy dog. We got him right before the election. It's like, all right, election election night. We have a little, we have a little cuddle guy. So he definitely played a crucial role then. And then I don't know. Last yeah. year has been so like weird, and I feel like 2020 was not a brutal year. Like, but 2021 for whatever reason was just like a lot of uh, obstacles, roadblocks, and things like that. So it's good to have a dog. Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do for me at least was, and it's still happening. It's just we're getting little signs of relief here and there, whether whether politically or with the virus, but none of it's over. And I think we all just have to take a break from it psychologically. And whether we're forgetting it or not, it's just like, man, it smacks you in the face. God, I saw fucking Trump on the TV the other day in Atlanta. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> he's still here. <laughs> Why is he still God. here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I think everyone just, self included, everyone was just kind of expecting like a a proper end to right. all the the crappy stuff, and there isn't going to be a definitive end. It's just going to be a weird transition into whatever. And I think people need to figure out their own comfort zones, and people need to figure out how to navigate the fatigue of doom. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I think that's a big thing for me is like trying to figure out how to stay informed without feeling like the weight of the world is like crushing me. So it's a, uh, it's, it's tricky, man. It's something we're all dealing yeah. with. Yeah. Um, were you one of those people that were able to step back in this break in rock and roll and kind of look at our vocation and life and, and glean some positive thing out of it or, um, or have a different healthy look on our lives and lifestyles? Yeah, I think I was pretty, pretty fortunate in a lot of ways. I think I was fortunate because my financial situation was never dire because I'm married. And so there's different times in our relationship where we've sort of leaned on each other financially. And I got to lean on my, my husband for a little bit. So that, that kind of took away the financial terror of it. And then with uh, the more existential part of it with being a musician i think uh i don't know i think i the it was kind of a nice break in a lot of ways you know we toured so much on our last record way more than we had intended to and yeah i think we did like six u.s tours and five european tours on just on one album campaign and which wow. was cool we had we had good opportunities afforded to us so that's we took advantage of it but it also just felt like 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 a friend of mine once pointed out, it's great to be on tour because you get to play your instrument every day. But a lot of times you don't actually get to play it as much as you would if you were at home and just <laughs> just hanging out. Yeah. So it was kind of nice to have you know have a little time at home and to actually see the seasons change and uh, get settled into a house and do more writing and less performing. And you know, I've always had like other little projects going just to keep me occupied when I'm off tour and that finally afforded me the opportunity to really focus on that stuff and get it tied up and doing a thing like a solo record was nice. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm I can be an autonomous person. Like I can, my ability to create isn't completely contingent on people being willing to put up with me. So that was another sort of nice, I don't know. That was like a really comforting thing. Actually. I, I feel like I got a lot of emotional satisfaction out of doing that. Yeah. I think that's uh, good for the, at least for myself, that's good for the, for the ego when you get back into the fold of your, 
your band. You know, yeah. it's you don't come in like a peacock. You just kind of come in a little with a little more solace. A- absolutely. I mean, we did a Russian Circles record. We spent most of last year working on that, at which point the solo record was done. And it was really nice because it didn't feel like the entirety of my creative self-worth was bound up in making a Russian Circles record. Right. Which which I think made me a better co-player because it was like, you know, it wasn't me constantly putting my foot down and being like, no, my idea. <laughs> my idea is the one. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a crucial thing. And uh, I think it helped... I, I get along with all my bandmates, so I don't want to make it sound like I needed this thing in order to like not be a shitty person. <laughs> but it was right, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's still like you know when you put out a record every when you put out a record every three years, it becomes like this thing where it's like this record is three years of work and it's going to be three years of touring on it, and it has to be like this perfect thing that's like every note has to mean something very specific right. to me, and that can be a lot of butting heads if if that's the attitude you go into it with. So yes. Yes, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> um, so on uh, April 15th, big news, there's a new These Arms Are Snakes record coming out on Suicide Squeeze called Duct Tape and Shivering Crows. Um, and I want to talk about how that came about because it seems like a very interesting grouping of songs. But um, first, can you give me a, a micro history of These Arms Are Snakes? Yeah. So let's see. The band kind of started around 2002. It was originally composed of Ryan Fredrickson, who was in a band called Nine Iron Spitfire on guitar, a guy named Bill Quimby, who had been in a band called Harkonnen, and then a drummer named Joe Preston, but not Joe Preston from the Melvins, another Joe Preston. And uh, I was asked to join up right about the time my old band Botch was breaking up. And I think we kind of went into it with an idea of what we were going to sound like. And that idea didn't really pan out. And Bill left the band and then we kind of hovered in limbo for six months or so while we tried to figure out what kind of sounds the four of us made that made sense. And then it turned into a thing. We kind of hit the ground running and you know recorded a demo which is actually on the, the compilation album that we were talking about. And from the demo, we got picked up by Jade Tree out of Delaware, who were a pretty hot label at the time, and got invited out to open for Blood Brothers on a U.S. tour when they were sort of on their rapid ascent. And so we kind of, I don't know, we came out strong, but uh, I think we also dove in head first and lived really hard and toured really hard for seven years and wrote a lot of songs, recorded a lot of material, and toured a lot. And then that was pretty much the entirety of our 20s into our 30s. And I think yeah. by, by the end of that run, it was like, we we're different people and we called it a day, but we had all these songs that had been on various seven inches and compilations and splits and things like that, that we were all pretty attached to, but didn't really get a lot of visibility. So 10 years later, we made a record out of them. So it sounds like you toured extensively. And I understand that you journaled a lot of the um oh. touring is that right <laughs> i did it first yeah i i had i'd done extensive journaling back in the botch days and kept pretty thorough records of all our travels and then started off on the blood brothers tour i was keeping a journal and a few subsequent tours i did but uh with these arms are snakes it was just i don't know there's a lot more of 
me having to do behind the scenes stuff like you know helping tour manage and yeah. helping sell merch and helping driving more so there there wasn't as much downtime and and I was drinking so I think that was also yeah. another thing where it's like well I could I could have a beer or I could write my journal I'm I'm going to have a beer it never really occurred to me that I could do both at the same time maybe but yeah I think there's some famous writers that did that famously that that like to drink? Really? That like to drink and write and yeah. Huh. Weird. Do you ever go back and read those journals? Like basically when I move. So when you, or when I'm reorganizing things, it's like, oh yeah, here's here's the the sorted details of my twenties and Right. We are by no means Motley Crue or Led Zeppelin or anything unsavory like that, but it still winds up being kind of like cringy to just <laughs> see the early 20 something mindset manifested on, on the page it's like Ugh. oh i can't wait to have you on the podcast to read no. <laughs> all of the entries whenever you're ready um, no 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 maybe i'll do that that what's that is it the stranger that does the thing where you get to read your diary and then you burn it afterwards oh that's right that's a fun idea I, i'd maybe do that i'm not, I'm not going to do the henry rollins thing and publish it for everyone to to read and judge me on <laughs> how do you tour differently now do you have any new rules to touring compared to your your young rock and roll self yeah i mean i think now we're just boring and you know it's the the adventure aspect of it has sort of faded and now we're mainly just fixated on staying healthy and and well rested and I don't know if it's a thing where the, the body breaks down or if you just sort of become more in tune with how a lack of sleep and excess drinking, things like that, just don't tend to yield good shows or, or good attitudes right. amongst the ranks. So, you know, we get hotel rooms and we behave responsibly and <laughs> everyone's polite to each other. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I saw, you know, there's there's that whole Twitter thing earlier this week where everyone was harping on that one band that like published their tour budget for South by Southwest. I mean, it's not really important. It's just like, it's just an average cost breakdown of like, this is what we spent on tour. And of course, out come the wolves where everyone's just like, I can't believe you spent that much money on a hotel. Like you should be sleeping in your van and all this stuff. And it's like, man, that, that stuff, you can do that. You can, you can totally tour on a sparse budget where you're sleeping in the van every night, but you can't do that for multiple tours and as you like get into yeah. your late twenties, like it just, it doesn't work. Like, yeah. I wonder if I would have um, filled up a savings, a savings account of sleep and, and rest. If I would have started with hotels, you know, how easy would it be for me to sleep in a van now? Probably not that easy. Actually. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's rough. It's, you know, it's, it's a thing that um, I'll sleep in a van when it's, dire you know and yeah. i'll sleep i'll sleep in a van if it's you know oh this is like a sketchy neighborhood maybe someone should you know take one for the team and sleep in the van but when it's like a whole group like spread out <laughs> like yeah just breathing and sweating in a van it's ugh, that's it's that's dark uh, it is dark Hey, speaking of sleeping in a van in a sketchy neighborhood, I just remembered, and I don't think I've ever even talked about this on this podcast, twice, once in Paris and once outside of, or somewhere in Jersey in a parking lot. Someone tried to break in the van while I was in there. Have you ever had that experience? Well, 
No, I, I've had bandmates who have slept in the van and heard people like trying door handles in the night and things like that. No one's like actively, you know, tried to break in through a window or anything while someone's in there. Yeah. But what, what was the case with you? Did someone actually try to like crack the window or? The one in Jersey, someone was just trying to, uh, there was no windows on the van. So they probably could didn't know what the fuck was in there, including, you know, whether it was humans or equipment or what. So they just went around and tried to get in every door. Yeah. And Scary. it woke me up. Yeah, it woke me up. But then I was like, what the fuck? And I, I remember having this thought. They started with the two front doors, the side door. And then when they went to the back, I was so relieved. And that was probably about one second of relief. I was like, I will kick them in the face if they open this. I, I'm in such a better <laughs> position. Yeah, defense mode. Like, as soon as they open it probably one of my band members but no <laughs> but they gave up because i yelled oh. oh that's good yeah the other time was in in paris and it was just some people similar thing rattling the handles and we were kind of asleep devendra banhart was in this van with us because okay. he needed a place to sleep that night <laughs> just, just the roving like, minstrel just like looking for a place to be put up that was, i mean obviously uh, that dates uh that ages me a little bit and devendra <laughs> but um yeah he came to our show and just wanted to hang and we hung and uh <laughs> and that's then awesome we were i we were hanging in the van probably just like I don't know what we were doing, listening to his demos, probably. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so a group of Parisians tried to get in, and then they just started yelling at us and then left. So I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. There's there's one instance. we were The Snakes were out on tour, and we played a venue called Ace's Basement in Greensboro, North Carolina. It was like a bar in the basement of a motel. It was a nice enough venue and the promoter was just like, Oh, like your green room is a hotel room. And if you want mm. to keep the hotel room for the night, you know, it's 20 bucks. So that seemed like a perfectly good deal. Sure. Yeah. We, uh, we played the show and, you know, loaded into the van and parked around front after the show and everyone got their sleeping bags. And as everyone's sort of like crossing the parking lot with their sleeping bags to the hotel room, I was just kind of looking around. It's like, Ooh, the, the clientele, from the show to the, the after hours has has changed in in a in a way that makes me nervous. You know, it's just like a lot of sketchy folks just hanging out in the lot and outside their hotel rooms. And it's like, oh, this has a very different vibe. So I slept in the van and uh after about thirty minutes of being in the van, I was like, even this just being in the van makes makes me scared. Like someone's gonna like <laughs> break in and not be deterred by me yelling at them. There was like a fight that broke out right by the van. And I was like, now people are like getting into a fist fight. So I called the dudes and I was just like, I'm just going to go drive down the road till I find a parking lot that looks not sketchy. And I'm going to sleep there. Call me in the morning. I'll come pick people up. And I drove around up and down the street for like 20 minutes trying to find a place that wasn't like a cruising zone that didn't have like someone getting arrested. It's like, I didn't realize this was such a crappy neighborhood until one o'clock in the morning. And I was scoping out a mall parking lot probably a mile or so away when I get this call that that's like this hushed voice of a bandmate being like, you got to come pick us up. Don't pull in the parking lot, though. There's there's a gunfight. We're all we're all in the tub. (laughs) Like, you got to come rescue us. So I I drove, you know, 
not back to the motel, but just down the block and was just sort of waiting for this signal to come swoop in and rescue everyone. And, you know, eventually I got a call where it's like, oh, it's, it's okay, like, come grab us. So I pulled into this parking lot and everyone's in their pajamas, like cradling their sleeping bags. And there's oh some God. woman sobbing on Steve, our singer's shoulder, because her boyfriend got shot and ran off and she doesn't know if he's alive or dead. <laughs> it's... God. And there was like all these, uh, you know, gun shell casings all over the parking yeah. lot where, I, where I'd been parked. <laughs> so, Jeez. That was definitely one of the, one of those things where it's like, well, thank God I slept in the car, but also maybe not because who knows? Like if I had just actually gone to sleep, there could have been bullets flying around and who knows. So did you spring for a hotel that night? Yeah. And then we went and we drove like five miles away and got a red roof in and it, and it felt, it felt wonderful. Felt like heaven. It felt like a palace <laughs> compared to Ace's basement. Right. Well, it, it looks like uh, you've got some These Arms or Snakes shows coming up in June. Is that right? Yeah, those were just announced today. All right. Yeah, these are, I think, the the last of what we're going to do. But whenever you do a thing like this, there's a bit of a Pandora's box where... Yeah, I have an idea for you guys, too. Oh, lay it on me. I can't yet. I want to play Camera Shy first. Okay. And then, you're, right. and then you'll lay it on us? I'll lay it on you. All right. Let's do it. All right. Here goes Camera Shy.
wonderful tune. Ah, oh, thanks. And I think it's my favorite song because of the bass line, and I'm not just saying that because Doc oh. Neo. It's just, it's just crazy good. Well, thanks. That is actually, I mean, that's that song is kind of uh, maybe the perfect example of why we wanted to do that compilation album because that's like one of those songs that was only on a tour edition split 12 inch and it's like man that oh was a really good one. <laughs> we, should, we should have saved that one for for an lp or something but uh god it's like, so good i can't play that song anymore because it's all the weird snarly bass sounds on it are from like a weird pickup setting on a bass guitar that i don't own anymore so oh no yeah you can you get pretty close to it though i'm sure there's a way of finding a filter or something if I was inclined, if I had a better work ethic, <laughs> right. if I didn't have a, a million other things looming over me to prepare for. Yeah. So um, back to back to this record. How how did it come about? How wh- what gave you the idea to put this out? Uh, well, a lot of the snake stuff, you know, there's just a lot of unfinished business just because uh, – the end of the band was, was pretty abrupt and unceremonious and, you know, we didn't do final shows or we didn't really tie up a lot of loose ends just cause we'd, we'd basically been getting all these offers for support tours and European tours and things like that. And it just wasn't financially feasible. And being, being a guy with a credit card in the band, I, I wound up fronting a lot of money for things and just got to a point where I had so much debt. <laughs> it was just like, I I can't be the one buying the the plane tickets this time. Like if someone else wants to buy the plane tickets, but you know, everyone was equally broke and it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, well, if we keep going, someone has to just like reinvest in everything, a van and all this stuff. And that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, I I can't Mm -hmm. be the guy. And yeah, things kind of folded shortly after. And uh, I think it was kind of a bummer because it's always fun to like have the run of a band and on a high note or on a, on a victory lap of some kind. And we just didn't, we'd always kind of figured it was going to be something we'd do somewhere else down the line. Once all the wounds healed and once everyone was sort of in a better and more stable place in their lives. And it just took 10 years for that to happen. So everyone was sort of spread out and, you know, over the last couple of years, it was like, Oh, we're all kind of back in the same area. And there'd been things like, our first demo that we sort of toyed with the idea of releasing on vinyl. And, you know, we had a couple of songs that we really liked that were on a split with Harkonnen that was on Hyderhead, but Hyderhead folded. So those songs were sort of offline and out of print. And, you know, just the way everything kind of came together, it sort of made sense to play a show and put a proper cap on the band. And then while we were at it, offer up these bits and pieces that have been hard to find. I, I hate making it sound like it was a really calculated thing, but it's like with COVID, once things started opening back up, Numos actually reached out to us to see if we would be willing to play a show because we have a bunch of friends that work there. And once that kind of happened, that sort of got the ball rolling where it's like, well, if we're going to play these shows, it'd be a really good time to finally put out this demo and rarities thing and be a really good time to reissue the old records. And then it does become kind of a calculated thing. But yeah, yeah. Such is the way the world works. You know? Yeah. So it's like having a business plan. Sometimes no, it makes sense. <laughs> I think a plan's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's a it's an interesting collection of songs. I'm happy to hear that Camera Shy came to the surface finally because what a doozy to not to just have on a hard drive somewhere. It's got a few demos, at least four, and then a cover, which is pretty exciting. It's got a couple covers. It's got two covers. 
one 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 very obvious cover, and then one that's maybe a bit more yeah. for the for the heads. But yeah, th- there is a a Nirvana cover which always feels very risky. We had been approached by Robotic Empire about doing a song for their uh, in utero tribute compilation. I think we were asked kind of late because all the songs we would have normally picked had been snagged up. So yeah. <laughs> we're like, fuck it, we'll just do Heart Shaped Box. Yeah. Why not? You know, we did an original version of it that actually wasn't very original because it was like a very... Uh, our drummer Chris Common is, is a studio guy. He's an engineer and he re- records bands. So he was very interested in how that song was recorded. So he wanted to do as faithful of a recreation of of like the sonics of the song as possible. So, which was cool, and I think it was a good exercise and a good study for him. But it kind of just sounded like weird Nirvana karaoke. So <laughs> I think everyone involved was like, okay. We did that, and that was cool. That was cool for you. <laughs> Maybe we should do something that that's uh, you know actually sounds like our band. And uh, right, so we did we did a, a bit more of a an interpretation on it. And then uh, the other cover song is a cover of Lost Sounds. They were a Memphis weird synth driven garage rock band that uh, hmm. Jay Riotard had played with between the time of his solo career and our friend Alicia Trout sang for him and it's one of her songs so it's a little tribute to our friend alicia cool. um yeah okay here's my idea for oh, yes. Late on you me. guys to uh well here's my idea are you aware of this post-punk and kind of heavy thing that's going on in the uk right now where all these bands that are pretty heavy and or like already post-punk almost uh no wave stuff they're really popular and the idols being the best example of this. Gotcha. Not there on the heavier end of what I'm talking about, but I, it's crazy how they're headlining festivals and stuff. And it, to me, it's just like, you know, it's like the Jesus Lizard headlining a festival. But yeah. in 2022 in England, and they're young people, obviously. Yeah. And I just think it's super interesting that it's come back around. Only England can do shit like this. Yeah. <laughs> they like turn the switch on on anything. It's definitely, uh, I mean, I, I think it's cool. I mean, I, I like... Uh, I do too. I like Idols. I have I have one record of theirs and I, I like it. And I'm not I'm not super clued into that scene. I think if, if that had been more prevalent 15 years ago, I would have been all over it. Um, yeah, me too. Not not to sound like the jaded old guy, but like I, I, have, I have a lot of Jesus Lizard-esque records in my collection. So. <laughs> yeah. Like a, I'm... I'm I'm kind of good on that front for a little while, but I, right. idols are, idols are great. You know, I know black mid black Midi's cool. Um, sure. Exactly. Um, well to that, my idea is you guys would kill it in England right now. Your sound that is uh, not that you, <laughs> not that you haven't in the past, but it's time. Your manager would be going like, go, go now. Yeah. <laughs> Capitalize on this celebration of heavy, awesome music. I mean, there's been, so, you know, I think we're pretty much done with uh, any additional stateside dates after these five shows that we announced today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if uh, if a cool opportunity came up in the UK or in Europe, you know, Japan, or I mean, if there's a cool international offer that came along, you know, I'm sure the guys would want to consider it. But man, it's just so much work. <laughs> it's, it's like 
it's not like uh, 12 years haven't passed. <laughs> like, That's true. It's definitely, it's definitely a lot of time has passed, and it's <laughs> not just uh, relearning what to do with your hands on the fretboard, but just a lot of relearning how to uh, be flexible in, in the live environment. Because we were always such a chaotic live band that mm -hmm. things things would break or you know someone would be somewhere out in the crowd and a cue would be missed. And th there was a certain malleability with the songs that just came from them being performed in a chaotic environment and uh figuring out how to navigate that is like a whole other challenge um right i, I don't know how else to explain that i'm, I'm sure you understand <laughs> that i don't know if listeners necessarily understand that but yeah. it's it's a thing so well i just learned that you also wrote a book called the second chair is meant for you which oh, i can't yeah. find to read myself but I'm going to find one somehow if there is physically one out there. Um, when did you write this book? I wrote that probably started around 2009. And I think I finished it in 2012 or early 2013. And that was kind of a writing exercise for me. I, I was doing like a lot of freelance music writing. I, I wrote for The Stranger for a little bit mm -hmm. and uh, a few other music outlets which was really fun, but it's it's a lot of just writing about punk and metal bands. And after a while, it's my my vocabulary for talking about punk and metal bands was pretty exhausted. And uh, mm -hmm. just just the ability to write about anything else seemed like a good exercise. So I started writing a book, and I'm not gonna say it's a good book, but in the vein of like a comet bus type of thing, where it's like ah fuck it, just do it anyway. I finished it and printed a couple hundred copies and sold them on the road and people bought them and people seemed to like it. Um, mm -hmm. There was a, a, a misunderstanding between me and the, uh, the people that did the design and, and formatting and layout about some of the timeline stuff. So it never got a proper final proofread. So there are definitely some typos in it. You know, if it was ever to get reprinted, it would, it would have to go through a, a bit of an editing process, but but yeah, it's out there. And that was another thing with uh, COVID. I was hesitant to bring it up. I was trying to stay on target with music stuff, but uh, I had another book that I've been working on almost since that one finished. And uh, I went through a few drafts of that and been working with a, a friend that's an editor on that. So that was another COVID project was finally trying to get that wrapped up. Wow. Uh, that That's a feat. Yeah. It's still not done. I don't know. I, I, sent off another draft to him a couple of weeks ago. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how much closer I am to that one. Once I, All right. once I hear back. Is this a novel? It is. It's gone through a lot of changes. It's been 10 years. Sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I don't even remember where any of this came from. <laughs> I can't imagine that. I envy yeah. you to be able to. Well, it's still a learning, it's still a learning process for me. And I think part of it was approaching it the same way. I approached making records, you know, back in the nineties where it's like, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to find out. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll share the results with people. So, uh, right. whether or not it's actually good is, I don't know. Writing's weird. I feel like with music, you know, even if something's imperfect and kind of flawed, it can still be really powerful and meaningful to people. I've got a huge library of music made by people who aren't musicians, but, I sort of live by the David Berman creed of all my favorite singers couldn't sing. So, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, I love imperfection in music, but 
with writing, it's like you kind of have to know a little bit about writing in order to come up with something that people actually enjoy reading. So there's, sure. there's a different different amount of pressure and a different standard, I think, that you have to sort of achieve. That's an interesting point. There, yeah. I mean, there has to be some version of clarity, I guess, to put it simply, for people yeah. to take in, whether they like it or not, you know? Yeah, I feel like with writing, it's like you have to know the rules of grammar and all that, and then you can definitely start chipping away at that and experimenting with form and all that. But you kind of need to have the foundation first. Whereas with music, it's like you can write a song and write a record without knowing anything about music theory. You know, you just have to have right. the, the ear for it and the the inspiration behind it. And hmm. it's diff different, different art form altogether. Well, I look forward to the book. I'm going to try to find the first one and I will definitely get the second one. No pressure to get it out fast. Yeah, though. whenever it happens. <laughs> whenever it happens. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Um, well, it sounds like there's a million things going on. Anything else you're looking forward to in, in 22? I'm just kind of excited to get through it. You know, it's about to just get real hectic because I leave for Chicago in a little over a week. And then I have, you know, five days of Russian circles rehearsals. Then it's a six-week European tour. And I get home from that, and it's these snake shows. And then August is a sumac tour. And then new Circles album comes out in the fall. So wow. there's all, all the touring with that. And then a, there's a sumac European tour. And it's kind of just like going from not touring to everyone trying to get their touring in all at once. <laughs> That's wild. That yeah. is a lot of touring. Well, travel safe when you are traveling. It sounds like you're going to be doing that extensively. And yeah. um, congrats on this record out April 15th. Duct Tape and Shivering Crows on Suicide Squeeze. Go listen to it, everyone. I'm going to. I already listened to it because I got a <laughs> secret copy. Um, awesome. Well, hey, th thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you, Joe. It's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah, I hope to run into you somewhere in Seattle. For sure. All right, take care of yourself. You better count your fingers right now. The